Hiya, and welcome to the Marketing Meter podcast. My name's Joe, and thank you so much for listening today. Today we have Richard Cook, who is the social media manager over at Monzo, uh, which is just a wicked job, I think you can agree. In this talk, we focus on how to stand out on social media in quote-unquote boring industries. This was a really wonderful chat, which really blew up on social media afterwards. Uh, so I think you'll really, really enjoy it today. It was an interesting chat because, and I'm going to be honest with you, there was some criticism leveled at, at the idea of having Monzo to come along and speak on how to make uh, people stand out on social media. They're a unicorn after all. They're one of these brands that has uh, created the space for them where people perceive them to be an interesting company. But the irony is, and the whole point of this talk is that they've made a choice to stand out in the way that they do. They've built a brand in the way that they have because of the choices that they make. And today they are considered an interesting company, but it would have been very, very easy for them to have made some different choices and for them to be another boring company in what is another debatably boring industry. For what it's worth, I don't think there's ever such a thing as a boring industry, but in the example of like a highly regulated place, then I just found this really interesting. Richard spoke us through some of his top tips for standing out on social media, which were both practical, but also gave the underlying principles for anyone who's looking to level up their social media game. It wasn't a use this language uh, type of talk. It was, here's how you need to be thinking about it. And I loved that because it was the only way that he could possibly deliver a talk that was practically useful across all of the industries that were in attendance on the day. And it was very, very funny because like in the chat, we were people saying that they were like selling glue and funeral services and, and all sorts of things. So there was a real variety of people in attendance. In fact, it was our best uh, signups that we've ever had for the marketing meetup, which is bonkers after three years of running these webinars. It was a great chat and I really hope you enjoy it. The last thing for me to do before I hand over to Richard is say a big thank you to our sponsors. And this week's sponsors are Attest. Now, Attest are a market research platform that enable you to be able to select the demographics that you want to hear from and then send them a survey. Uh, it, it reduces the need for things like, you know, we've all done it where we've gone out and, and sent a survey or begged, borrowed and pleaded for folks to fill in a survey so we can get the quantitative research that we need doing. Attest takes out of all of that problem and makes it super quick, easy, efficient to uh, to get your, your, your research completed. We're big fans of them, not only because they're sponsors, but because we're customers. Uh, we recently filled out a, a survey which had, uh, which had where we asked people the most important factors for applying for a, a job. And it vindicated our view that uh, we should include salaries in, in, in the job role. There's a full write-up of that on the Marketing Meetup blog post right now. So check out a test. And in the meantime, I really hope you enjoy this chat with Richard Cook from Monzo Bank. Thank you so much for listening. Cool. Thank you, Joe. And thanks so much again for having me. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, really nice to see so many folks, 600 of you on, on the chat. Uh, hopefully uh, I can bring some value to, uh, to your day. Uh, just to kick things off, I'll be interested to see just looking at the chat, like what industries are being represented here. Um, I've gone for kind of like almost clickbaity title here with the, the boring industries content. So I'd love to see what boring industries uh, you all are from. Uh, seeing some insurance, 
asset management, consultancy. Okay, interesting. Uh, I do not know there is such a thing as a truly boring industry. I think there are things that are seen as boring. Uh, and I think there are things that are, uh, you know, have a bit of a reputation. But I think that there is interesting things to, you know, we all live interesting lives. There are interesting things to say about all the things that we do. So I'm going to try and today share some tips and tricks that we can use to make things that might seem boring a bit more accessible, a bit less boring. And I'll be talking about myself, uh, Monzo, some of the things we've learned over the years, social media in general, just pretty much all my thoughts in this area. Uh, and then we can have some questions as well. So let me kick things off by sharing my screen. There we go. Cool. Hopefully you all can see my screen. Please let me know if you can't. We got you, mate. All I good. Mean, it's it's twenty twenty two. We're well used to sharing screens. It's never not worked. It always <laughs> works. Um, cool. So yeah, I'm talking about how to stand out in what can be seen as boring industries. Cool. This is me. I'm Richard Cook. Uh, I live in London, uh, and I am social media manager for Monzo Bank. Um, Joe gave a great introduction. Uh, hopefully. Monzo Bank is, is well known to everyone that's cool. But uh, if you don't know, Monzo is a UK-based bank. We offer current accounts, joint accounts, business accounts, all the things that you would expect from, uh, from your normal bank, uh, except we don't have branches. Everything you do with Monzo is done through your phone, um, through our app. We have over 6 million customers, been going about five, six years now. And yeah, it's I joined four years ago. Um, and it's just been amazing to see it grow. When I joined, we had like less than 500,000 people. So yeah, I've been there in Monza years, a lifetime. <laughs> so any questions about like the journey on the way, I'm, I'm happy to talk about. Uh, but my experience is like, I've always been part of the marketing team uh, working with the like social and content side. Uh, so yeah, brief overview of what I'm going to talk about today, starting with me, just get that out of the way, talk about myself. Uh, I'll talk about the differences between a bank and a music company sort of where I came from and, and like some of the challenges I came across straight away. Uh, the meaning of the word risk and I and why I think that often leads to, you know, quote unquote, boring content. And then how to get people talking about money. Like, I think there's like a, a nut to crack there about like, is, is money a boring subject? I think it absolutely isn't. Um, and I, I'll show you some sort of ways that you can get, uh, like grease the wheels a little bit to get, to get conversation going. Let's get started. So my history to date, um, straight out of uni, I joined Spotify, the, the music streaming folks, uh, back in 2011. And when I was there, I was doing a whole bunch of different jobs. I started off doing like basic email customer support, did that for a few years, moved into like social media customer support back when that was like a new thing, back when like uh, providing customer support over Twitter was like exciting and new. Uh, then I did a bit of community management on the side, uh, eventually moved into like full-time social media marketing. So I've always been like really close to like the customer. I've always been really interested in, you know, what the end customer has to say about the product and making sure that it gets back to the business. So when Monster came along, this like bank built with its community, I sort of leapt at the chance to get involved, uh, taking my skills and joining the exciting world of banking. Uh, I joined Monzo in 2018 as uh, what was then uh, the online community manager. Basically my job involved a mix of looking after the social media and a few other things like online reviews and uh, looking after their forum, doing events, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I'm still here four and a half years later, uh, and I'm social media manager. So full time now, I'm looking after our social media channels. 
which I'll talk about in a bit. And I'm lucky now to work with a, a sort of a larger team. We have a social content creator, Rosh, over on TikTok. We have a social media designer, one who helps out with our amazing like Instagram content. So yeah, I am blessed to um, have support of uh, it not just being me anymore. Uh, it turns out that working at a bank is different to working at a music company. Who knew? I guess that was obvious. But, you know, I'd come from this world where if I wanted to get like a million retweets, all I had to tweet was like, the new Taylor Swift album is the best album of all time. Didn't have to get that like um, approved. I didn't have to like show the working of that claim, that no substantiation involved. Just tweet out how amazing, you, how amazing Taylor Swift is and you were kind of guaranteed numbers. We would also do some of this like kind of like newfangled social marketing of like fun copy tweets and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was pretty easy uh, getting sort of engagement on entertainment content, super fun. I think Spotify is one of the brands out there that have a fairly easy ride in that you have access to like the world's most interesting content, uh, music. I guess Netflix has the same thing. Like in those kind of industries, you know, you're never gonna be sure on like exciting things to produce content around. I was joining a bank for the first time and learned all about the wonderful world of financial promotions and disclaimers and the small print that you need to include in your social content. And that was a bit of a shock. Like I didn't know like about the things that you needed to include in, in financial posts and the rules around uh, financial services marketing. And it was a bit of a bit of a culture shock to me. Um, I learned very quickly that the most important word in all of banking is risk. Uh, risk kind of, kind of defines everything a bank does from who you offer accounts to, to you know, your ongoing relationship with customers. Uh, even the marketing, like the things that you can say in your marketing, who you market to, all that kind of stuff. Like it was all about your risk appetite. I had to quickly absorb a lot of information about what it means to do marketing in the financial world, uh, big lengthy documents that uh, you know, define things like financial promotions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot to take on and was quite scary to begin with. There, you know, there's specific guidance around how to use social media. It's quite scriptive and quite in detail. Things like, you know, the assets you can use and the language you use and the, um, you know, who you target stuff to. It all is very, you know, prescriptive in a good way. You know, it means that marketing or financial promotions is clear, fair, and not misleading, uh, and that is good for the end customer. But as as a as a marketer coming from the world of get you know, get everyone streaming this new album, it was you know, a lot to learn. And I could quickly see why, why brands in the financial services space would tend towards a very safe approach. I think faced with like all this information to onboard and you know, the consequences of like, you know, fines or, or whatever it is from, from the regulators, uh, the strategy of playing it safe and not taking risks uh, seems like a sensible one. Honestly, I, I can see why some people would be put off taking a very sort of, it doesn't use the word fun, but, you know, taking a very engagement-led approach to their content. But I'm here to tell you today that I don't think compliant means boring. Uh, compliant is just a word that describes the customer outcome, right? Or describes uh, adherence to a set of rules. I think your content can totally play by the rules, no matter how, quote-unquote, boring or regulated your industry. Uh, while still being entertaining and engaging and beautiful. Like, this is what compliant can look like to me. Compliant can be beautiful. Compliant can be funny. Compliant, compliant can be surprising. Compliant can be, like, um, inspiring in some cases as well. These are all posts that, like, 
you know, don't look like they're from a bank apart from the massive bank card. Uh, but like, you know, you could you might think this was like a retail brand or a lifestyle brand or something like that. And that's very much where we, we get our inspiration from. And like, we work very closely with our in-house risk and compliance teams to make sure that everything we put out is compliant. So when we're talking about like our regulated products, whether that's our paid accounts or our um, pay later account, uh, pay later products, lending products, all that kind of good stuff, because we, we want to talk about those things, we'll work with those teams to make sure that, yeah, we are doing that in, in a way that plays by the rules. But the end result isn't content that looks like it was written by a rule book. The end result for us, and what I consider good content, is content that you would actually want to engage with, content that looks like it was made by a person, content that looks like it belongs on the channel where you're seeing it. And I think taking that very risk-averse approach produces really sterile content. It produces content that doesn't look like it belongs, that looks like it was made by a robot, and it's like doesn't really have much of a point other than it's often just like here is information. I think you could do so much more with your with your with your marketing content and specifically on social media that you should really like grab the ball by the horns, be say, well, yes, there are these rules we have to follow. There is this framework in which you have to operate, but that's not really a problem. That's just a creative challenge. The creative challenge of how can we still produce amazing you know, content that people engage with whilst, you know, ticking all the boxes that we need to tick. So I don't see it as like, it shouldn't be something that's off-putting and it shouldn't be something that like makes your content boring. Uh, we've really embraced social media as, as a marketing channel. Uh, you'll find us on every social media channel probably you can think of. Uh, we're not really on MySpace, but who knows? I'll come up with a MySpace strategy one day. Uh, so yeah, you'll see us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, TikTok, I can talk about TikTok. I think it's very exciting. Um, it's been a really challenging channel for us to adopt and has been one where I've had the most sort of uh, had to, to learn, you know, fail and learn uh, approach. But, you know, we've seen some really big wins on there lately. And, you know, I think it's just a great channel to be on, especially for a bank. Um, we made a Twitter account for a bus. I include that just for completeness sake. And for showing that, yeah, we don't take ourselves too seriously when it comes to social media as well. This was for a uh, October last October we did a campaign, an out of home campaign where we sort of wrapped some buses. And I was like, "What if the bus had a Twitter account?" So yeah, it's it's a space where you can have a lot of fun at the same time. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is just rattle through a few tips, tricks, reminders, hacks, that kind of thing. Uh, give as many examples as I can. I find these things are much more, I get a lot more out of them as an audience member uh, when this is concrete examples to look at and discuss. So I'm gonna try and show you as many examples as I can. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna go through a few pointers to, to sort of guide your thinking. And my overall point here is like, these should be applicable to any industry. Even if you think you work in the most boring, uninteresting uh, business in the world, like I'm telling you that, you don't, <laughs> and that you can apply one, one or some or all of these rules to make your content really shine. The first thing to think about is your customers. Your customers are more creative than you. It's a hard pill to swallow, but like it's true. Uh, if people are struggling to come up with ideas for what they should be doing, just like look at your customers. They're probably doing things that you wouldn't expect, are, are being more playful than you, are more creative than you. Just like your customers are a rich source of content that you should be looking to for ideas. Like this is amazing content. In Monzo, in your Monzo app, you can create what are called savings pots or, or just regular pots, which are places to put your money. 
So you might put some money aside for a rainy day or for bills or whatever it is you're doing. And, you know, in the app, you can pick lots of different interesting backgrounds. We can also upload your own custom images and we get so much great user-generated content out of just that, out of the wide gamut of images that people use to adorn their pots in often like interesting and hilarious ways. Uh, like I loved this one where someone had just used a bunch of different cats to represent their different savings products. I thought that was really, uh, different, different things they put their money aside for, sorry. Uh, I just thought that was really interesting and like we could share that ourselves and you know, it's really funny. This is really cute. Someone tweeted, how do you know if someone banks with Monzo? They'll tell you, if you have every possible opportunity, it's me, I bank with Monzo. Just like, that is so sweet. And it's, you know, if we just screenshot that, put it on Instagram, that's, that's some content. And it's like, the fact it's in the customer's like own words and it is like kind of makes the referral process of Monzo, which is like known for being very evangelical. Everyone who has Monzo never shuts up about it, essentially. Uh, making that kind of like an in-joke by finding examples of people saying that, it means that like we can sort of create a, what seems like organic groundswell around that idea. So yeah, it, we do a lot of that, of finding people joking about Monzo and just like basically boosting those, boosting those jokes, promoting that as much as possible. Uh, we get like this amazing source of uh, user-generated content in just like card photography. Uh, our, the Monzo card is known for being this like vibrant, hot coral color. It's that orange card that you see everywhere. Uh, and it means that like people love taking photos of their card in various places. Like I've probably seen a Monzo card in every country in the world at this point. Um, but it's like great because people just like freely send us this stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's so exciting. It, it means that we can, you know, always have on tap a source of rich photography content. We just reach out to someone and be like, hey, we loved that photo you took of your card on holiday. Can we use that? Uh, obviously, it helps that we have this brand asset in our arsenal to begin with. Having the hot coral card, you know, helps us a lot and is kind of like a past investment that continues to pay off. Obviously, if you are a normal bank and just have like a normal blue bank card, this might be a bit trickier. But I don't know, it's just one of those things where we've managed to leverage this really kind of like accidental brand asset and really run with it. You'll see a lot of neon in this deck. Uh, and we're currently running a whole campaign around neon cards where if you refer a certain number of people to Monzo, you, you get a neon card. And yeah, a very deliberate part of that marketing was like, we know that people love to share it on social. So, you know, if there's anything to do with your brand or company that, you know, is shareable, I think that helps a lot. If there's something that people want to take photos with or, I don't know, are just excited to have, then that makes it so much easier to um, kind of kickstart this, use, this user-generated content loop where people send us great content. We, um, you know, showcase that content on our own channels and it inspires more people to go and capture that content. Uh, I love this one was a hinge uh, <laughs> post we saw the other day. So someone tweeted, my housemate is going to new levels to get a neon card. Uh, and so they put in their Hinge profile that they were looking for someone who doesn't have Monza yet. And you can see it's just a bunch of people replying to that on Hinge. I think that's really cute. So yeah, this speaks to like the, the creativity of our users. Like we could never tweet this. We could never like make a fake Hinge profile. Or maybe we could. I'll jot that down. But like my point is 
there are people out there making fake or making real hinge profiles joking about monzo and like let's get in on that you know again our users are already doing this that we haven't had to like ask them to do this let's go out grab it and like get involved in that conversation retweet it reshare it screenshot it do all that kind of stuff find the great content because it's out there and make more people see it that's all it takes really even like our reviews, like reviews aren't always a place where you see this level of creativity. Most reviews are either, you know, five stars, love it, or one star, worst bank ever, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but occasionally you do get these gems through. This was a genuine uh, trust pilot review we got, which is, you know, I love Monzo. If Monzo was a person, I'd snog them. If they were true, I'd hug them. If they were the app, I'd give them five stars. Oh, wait. So whoever Emily is out there, we love her. She's amazing. And yeah, just like trawling through our reviews for, for gems like this. It's, you know, reviews aren't always the most glamorous place to look for content, but you know, one in a hundred is amazing. So yeah, this whole point I'm trying to make is look to your customers for creativity, wherever that may be. They may be tagging you on social media already. They may not be mentioning you. Do some proactive social listening, just like Google yourself <laughs> or tweet, tweet your own name uh, and look through, look through your reviews because that, that is another source of, of great content. Second tip, speak to customers in their own language. I think this is huge. Again, like we are very lucky that Monzo already has this tone of voice that is really friendly to, to social media. Um, I can take no credit for like the tone of voice, but uh, it is, I can say that it's all about speaking clearly, this like personal touch, basically a bank that speaks to you like a friend. Uh, and it means that you know, we are able to really put ourselves into conversations that our customers are, are having. And so if we go out there and sort of see what people are saying about us and try and reflect that back, it's kind of a more natural fit for us than if we were you know, a very stuffy formal bank speaking very formally all the time and then trying to like get in on this like new meme or something, it wouldn't really work. So yeah, there is, there is an extent to which we are blessed to already have a very sort of friendly tone and brand, all that kind of stuff. But again, like, Look, look at how your customers are speaking and try to reflect that as much as you can because that's how they want to be spoken to. People want to be spoken to in the way that they speak. It's a psychological thing. We, we like things that look like us. So the more you can do to reflect what and how people are saying, the better. Some examples. Uh, <laughs> a tweet from someone who said, my nan's, oh, my nan's just been shocked by how bright Monzo cards are, bless her. Really fun tweet about the color of Monzo cards. And we started, to, we saw a few instances of this, of people were like joking about the color of our cards and how bright they were, that kind of stuff, even before we launched our Neon campaign. Uh, and we said, well, let's make a thing of that. Clearly this is something like a joke people are making already. Let's, let's like co-opt it essentially. So like we did content around this before we launched our Neon cards. We did like a teaser campaign that was all about Monzo cards are so bright that dot, dot, dot. Again, so we'd taken a, the insight, which was people call people say that our cards are bright. We've seen tweets before about people being like, "You need a, you need shades to look at your Monzo card or something like that." Uh, so we like jumped on that joke and like started to make our own content off the back of it. Um, another example of of, of this people. Uh, this is the first lockdown, I believe. People were talking about like how it was actually quite good for them <laughs> and their Monzo accounts because then they weren't spending all the time. Uh, all their, their main expenditure was, was down because they couldn't go out because of lockdown. And so we, yeah, we found that and we 
boosted it. We, we, we sort of framed some examples of those tweets, put it on our social. But then we also did like, we used that to spark some data work ourselves. We said, well, is this true? Can we find out if this is actually happening or not? Is spending down that kind of stuff? So we went and did some data digging and it was true. Like spending was roughly down because of lockdown. Uh, this graph is, as you can probably tell, not a exact uh, <laughs> scientific to the, to the numbers uh, version of, of the data, but it broadly reflects the trend that we saw, which was like uh, entertainment and travel were down, groceries way up, makes sense. So yeah, that's the case of not just matching the language of what people are saying, but also like the subjects they talk about. So many things that we post about in our content were originally sparked from like a couple of tweets of people talking about it. And I think matching those like topics that people have already kind of like predetermined to be interesting and saying, well, let's talk about that then. Rather than being like, here is our content plan for the month that cannot possibly change. We've planned it six months in advance. We know what we're going to say. Like seeing how the conversation changes over time and, and getting involved in that is absolutely key. Um, an example of some B2B stuff. All my examples have been B2C, but like at Monza, we also do business accounts. Uh, and you know, a lot of people ask me, is like, well, that's all well and good for like when you're speaking to customers. What about you know when I'm a business speaking to other businesses? And I think a lot of it still applies. I always say that like behind every B is a C. And so like, it's weird that we like have this idea that we should talk to businesses in marketing in B2B marketing in a way that's different to how we talk to customers because like businesses are still people, especially the kind of businesses that we talk to, which are the small and medium sort of enterprise size businesses, sole traders, that kind of thing. Uh, so like in our, even in our Monzo business marketing, uh, especially on social, we try and talk to them as if they were, you know, like try and talk to the individual. Uh, and on the topic of like reflecting people's language back towards them, like, yeah, we see a lot of people uh, complaining about unpaid invoices. Like it's kind of the big thing that I think small business owners, uh, the biggest pain point they feel. So like we mocked up a little meme here, which was basically what you say versus what you mean when you're chasing an unpaid invoice. And of course, basically what you always mean is just pay me. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a little bit reverent, a little bit uh, jokey, but no, it's the language that business owners frankly do use. Uh, and why not speak to them in that language? Uh, this is just jumping on a trend. This is a meme that's going around. Uh, I think memes are super important. Uh, I think businesses are often afraid of memes because they seem way too casual. But if you're going to be in the social media space, it's a key part of like the language of those channels. And like, if you're not engaging with memes, then you're not really engaging with the channels properly. Uh, so don't, don't fear the meme, <laughs> is what I'd say. Uh, I mean, there's other questions about, you know, which memes is it okay to engage with? And that's kind of like up to your brand and your kind of like social risk appetite to figure out. But for the most part, like if something's going viral and you have something that you can say without just like crowbarring yourself in, uh, do so. So this is one about putting money in a pot for savings, knowing full well you'll be taking it out again five days before payday. So yeah, not just engaging with a meme, but engaging with like a bit of a self-deprecating habit that people tell us that they do. Everyone, we see tweets about this all the time. People are like, you know, why do I lie to myself about like what I'm doing with this money? So like not shying away from like the, the warts, you know, and all that kind of stuff. The, 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 the bad use cases or the, you know, the bad habits that we have about your product, like it's much more authentic to reflect the way people really do use and talk about your product than it is to like only speak in this like weird idealized version that doesn't actually reflect anyone's experience. I think that's super important. 
this is really fun. This was our a data campaign we did at the end of last year. Basically, we just like rinsed the UK. <laughs> uh, we did this like a lot of research into looking at Monzo transaction data, kind of in the same style that Spotify did with their or do with their ongoing wrapped campaigns. Um, we looked at some data to see like where do people go for eating out. Uh, can we see the Greg's Pret divide in the UK? Uh, trying to jump on things that we knew were already kind of hot topics or popular topics. Uh, you know, everyone loves talking about Greg's and Pret. I saw Pret had just done a uh, Greg's had just done a collab with Primark this week, which looks amazing. Uh, so it's definitely something that is a trending topic. Uh, and we are basing our data campaign around things that we knew would be social worthy and would kickstart debate on social or kickstart conversations very deliberately you know even crafting our entire campaigns around what is the language people use and how can we like become relevant to those conversations so it's always like the end goal is kind of always is this relevant is this interesting is it exciting is it like real is it authentic and yeah people love that greg and greg's and brett one super happy with that uh next tip is that there are no boring topics only boring content I think that's true. I mean, I'm saying it's true. Uh, there probably is boring topics. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like navigating the legal aspects of a trust in order to, I don't know, do something. I don't know. But there definitely is a way to make almost any topic engaging and exciting. And likewise, you know, you can, the verse is also true, I think, which is like you can have a very interesting topic and talk about it in the most boring possible way. So like, it's not a done deal either way. Like it's, it's, it's a case of taking what you have, like the hand that you're dealt and running with it. Like I see on TikTok so, so much content from brands that you wouldn't think, or even like products that you wouldn't expect, like pool cleaning TikTok, people who clean pools. Like that's huge. People love it. They get millions of views and it's just someone cleaning a swimming pool or uh, plumbers who fix broken pipes uh, I mean there's a lot of like cleaning or the sort of disgusting based stuff I mean like the pimple popper on uh, YouTube the woman who just like pops people's various warts and boils like I guess sort of boring medical content like with boring topic but fascinating content I love watching pimples get pops on TikTok uh, probably says more about me than anything but yeah, like I think there's a way to make almost anything interesting or engaging or at least breaking it down in a way that is much more um, digestible to your audience. So something like credit scores, what are they? This is like one of the classic financial education topics. No one knows what credit scores are. Uh, let's sort of break it down. Let's uh, make threads. Let's make, you know, carousels. Let's make TikToks. Like just taking the content, which can be very dry, very boring, breaking it down not too scary, no 500 word long blog posts about it. Just like, you know, a tweet at a time, what is this thing? And making sure the language in them, that's the most important thing. The language in them is the language that people use. So no, no jargon. I think people get put off by jargon. Just like breaking it down, explaining it like you would, like you would to a friend. Often like I think of that as like Monzo's persona sometimes is like that friendly mate of yours who knows loads about money. And down the pub would explain to you what a credit score is. If you can be like the friendly mate down the pub who knows about X, where X is your industry, then that's a really good starting point. How would you explain this to your mate down the pub? Start there and 
it makes it so much easier. Again, we do this for fraud as well. I think a lot of fraud content can be very dry. It's often like very vague, like look out for these kind of things, tips, like don't get scammed essentially. Uh, what we try and do with our fraud content is like, have you seen this text? If you've seen this text, it's a scam. Here's how the scam works. Like show the thing. That's a very easy win is don't talk in like vague terms, be specific, uh, show the thing that you're talking about. Again, carousels, like there's hundreds of different budgeting methods out there. Budgeting can be quite boring. It's, you know, a spreadsheeting exercise a lot of the time. But, you know, what you can do with budgets is actually very powerful. And if you look on like the personal finance hashtag on TikTok, you'll see thousands or hundreds of thousands of videos of people, you know, sharing their budgeting methods, envelope methods, all this kind of amazing content. Um, so we know there's an audience for it. It's all, it's not, it's about rather, rather than being like, here is the spreadsheet, here's how to use it, breaking it down, like in, in a nice gentle carousel, step-by-step step, going through it in a way that is, you know, native to the platform in a way that you would expect to see on, on Instagram. On Instagram, you know, you get all these wonderful explainer carousels often about like social issues, like you know, what you need to know about X, what X is like some topical issue. That, but for financial education or that, but for whatever your 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 content pillar is for insurance or for healthcare or, or or whatever it is i think that is a very doable format um tiktok yeah part of our tiktok strategy is um uh this kind of educational content it's half uh laugh half learn is is broadly our strategy so you'll see a lot of like just fun relatable stuff but you'll also see us trying to like do these educational videos that explain how to do a budgeting method or how to um, use Monzo features to get the most out of your money. There's a nice video on there of me telling you how to do the one piece savings challenge. Uh, so yeah, look out for that. Very good channel for this. Just look at the hashtags as well. Go on, go on the most popular hashtag for your industry. For us, that's like personal finance or something uh, or FinTalk is another one and see what content is doing well in that industry and just like make your own version of that content. Third, top, third tip is being reactive. Um, this is a tweet we did last week. Shout out to anyone going to the office this week, just the air conditioning. Really easy, uh, like one sentence of content there. It got something like 800,000 impressions on LinkedIn. Super happy with that. Uh, and it's just in the moment, what's, what's relevant right now? How can we like, get ourselves um, in, in the conversation? And this one's not even really about and things to do with us <laughs> we don't talk about like banking or finance or um the app or anything it's just hey it's hot right now isn't it like aircon's good uh, i mean there's a whole strategy here we talk a lot about like being a great place to work and all that kind of stuff ultimately this piece of content is just jumping in a conversation like being a bit human on linkedin you can be human on linkedin apparently uh and talking about like heat and stuff like that uh, more specifically, uh, we've done things in the past like this, like when WhatsApp went down back in March 2021, uh, we said, hey, WhatsApp down, we got you covered. Why not send someone a penny and attach a private message to it? So using Monzo as a kind of like WhatsApp replacement uh, did really well. I think like Slack is having a global outage right now, and I'm sure that my team are scrambling to put some fun reactive together. I wonder what they'll come up with. But Think about that, like when there's like something that everyone's talking about, it doesn't have to be an outage. It could be an instance or some exciting news. Like it was Eurovision 
uh, was announced coming to the UK yesterday. Really exciting moment for a lot of brands to talk about. Just like have a finger on the pulse, even if that's like a check-in every morning or do what I do, which is just like stare into the void of Twitter all day, every day. Uh, have some way of figuring out what's going on and a way to quickly brainstorm responses to it. Uh, this is us talking about the new neon cards with the, the new Barbie movie coming out. Speak to itself. Uh, more cultural things. So like new, new series of Stranger Things. Let's talk about like, what if the characters of this show had Monzo and what would it mean for them? Uh, this one was, this was back when lockdown ended. Can we see like, uh, again, this is a data one, looking at the data. Can we see uh, if there's a huge spike in transactions at pubs? And like, obviously there was a huge spike in transactions at pubs back when the pubs reopened. So staying on the pulse um, and showing that your brand is like relevant basically all the time. Like that's, that's, that's the power of reactive is the quicker you can respond, the more it can sort of demonstrate the relevance of your brand to like any situation. So super important. We have like a entire channel in our Slack, which is ironically down right now, which would be super <laughs> helpful for us to have, which like anyone in the whole company can like drop ideas into, whether that's a, a user generated tweet or a um, like something that's happened in the world like this. Uh, and we can like in public kind of like brainstorm response to that. So we get lots of brains in one room and, and try and come up with, with the solution. Uh, look outside of your industry for inspiration. So uh, yeah, we are uh, always looking at like what other people are doing, but like the people we look to are not necessarily other banks. I'm not like particularly interested in what, you know, now where PC, Barclays are doing with their social content. I'm much more interested in like retail brands or banks that know how to speak to their customers in a really effective way. So the Netflixes, Buzzfeeds um, of, of the world, Innocence, et cetera. So like when I see a great idea, like Microsoft being like this, apply to us with your favorite gift and we'll rate it on a scale of one to 10. We'll do something like that. Send us a pic of your custom savings, uh, Christmas savings pot custom image, rate how festive it is. Like, yeah, we just sort of stole that idea. Like I'm sure Microsoft didn't come out with them first either. So I don't know, just being a bit of a magpie when it comes to social media and looking at like, not just like how are other banks doing it or how are other people in my industry, but like who are the best people in this space and how can we be more like them? Like Innocent are obviously the best at this. And something that we used was uh, they do these like this the little hat campaign. They had a nice bit of content that was like things to do with those little hats. And I was like, how can we, what can we do that's similar to that? And we came up with like things you can do with your Monzo card in a heat wave. Uh, super relevant last week. We actually used this in our app release notes last week as well, which is really fun. But it was originally a tweet. And it was like, you can use it as a fan. You can use it to create a shade, coaster, frisbee, buy stuff even. Uh, really fun like that. So yeah, that's not from a bank. That is originally from smoothies. Even like, yeah, obviously we need to talk about Duolingo, the, the stars of TikTok. Uh, they have their huge owl. Um, we kind of by accident found we have this like little stuffed Monzo card. He's called, well, we call him plushy, technically hot chip. Uh, we made them in-house originally to give to like, new parents. Whenever someone at Monzo has a child, we give them like a new parents pack, which includes this like sweet little plushie. And I basically said to like our people teams, like, hey, can I steal one of those and put it in our social media content? And we did like a TikTok where we like paid for like a Greg's with it or something like that. That got like 2 million views. And I was like, okay, this is our TikTok strategy now. So like plushie appears in almost all of our content. 
super popular, just gets all those cult comments that are like, where can we buy one? Uh, I'm afraid he's not for sale. Um, but yeah, really good for driving engagement. And yeah, like essentially is the same strategy as the Duolingo owl. And I think we're seeing more and more brands have like their thing, their mascot. Uh, but you know, it's it works. Like if it works, it works, and I think it's okay. Uh, and yeah, more like lifestyle brands or, or journalistic brands. Like I love what Refine Twenty Nine do. Their money diary content is so good. Uh, like really, like personal breakdown of spending. Like we do that as well. Like we're going to interview customers, use them in our content, uh, find out how money works for them, and just talk about it. I've got a whole bit here about like how we measure success and stuff that I'm going to skip through just for time. But like in brief, the question I get asked a lot is like, this is great, but how do I know if it's working or not? And the answer is I look at like reach, like measure it through impressions and views. Uh, I see what we're doing is acting at the very top of the marketing funnel. And we know that like that long-term brand building through um, just brand awareness, just making lots and lots of people aware of Monzo by creating content that lots and lots of people see. I like have a deep belief that, that is helpful for our like long-term growth. We then have a sort of separate team that is our performance marketing team working in paid social who then get to kind of like swoop in and kind of like do the conversions, do the acquisitions, that kind of like good stuff. So I see us working in tandem of like us on the organic side, really priming the audience to then receive the, the content from our paid team, which is like has those call to actions, has those like signups and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm quite lucky that I don't have to worry about like cost per acquisition, all that kind of stuff. I can just like really loads of focus on like how, how many people saw that? How can we get more people seeing our content? Is that making more content? Do we have to double our production? Or is it a case of like making the content we do make go further? Do we like focus on quality of content? I mean, the answer is both. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm going to skip through. There's a Monster Card in the washing machine, if you want to see it. A Monster Card that I put a hole punch through. Uh, <laughs> there is, okay. Lastly, how do you get people to talk about a tricky subject? Uh, people say that money is like one of the things that British people are bad at talking about. And it's sort of true. Like people don't like to talk about their, uh, how much they earn. Uh, Joe, I was so glad you talked about the salaries and job descriptions. I'm a big believer in that. Um, people don't like to talk about it. But it's also true that like money is probably one of the things that I think about most of all, like all day, every day. Like my health maybe first, then maybe my money. Uh, yeah, it's 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 like something that is like super relevant to our lives. Like we use it every day, we think about it every day, we worry about it every day. It shouldn't be hard to get people talking about it. So what we do is instead of just like coming straight up and being like, how much you earn, finding like ways, smarter ways to get people into that conversation. Um, if your bank account could talk, what would it say? Does money make you happy? These kind of questions that aren't like straight up, tell us your financial situation, but like give people a platform to then make their own content. Like, I, I think a good way to do it is, can you give people a platform to make their own jokes, to show off how witty they are or to uh, be self-deprecating or something like that? British people love to be self-deprecating. They hate being sincere. <laughs> uh, so like this one was like, if your bank account could talk, what would it say? Some of the quote readers in that were hilarious. And again, it's like, you're getting people talking about money. Like that's what they're doing, but they're doing it in a way that feels non-threatening, feels non-intimidating. Um, and it's just like, everyone's having a bit of fun. So like, Think around the problem, don't try and think through it. Like, not how can we get people to talk about money, but how can we get people talking? And the way you do that is by giving them a platform to tell jokes. Uh, last shout out is to our Facebook group, the Monzo Saving Squad. 
15,000 members. This is our date, uh, which is a group we have on Facebook where people can join. And it's they what they do is they talk about their financial journey. So things they're saving for or um, coming out of debt or recovering from a gambling addiction, that kind of stuff. Really wholesome content. And people like are freely volunteering these amazing stories about how they saved up for the first time to take their kids to Disneyland or something like that. And by providing a space in which people can support other people, cheering them on with their savings challenges or giving advice or just like being an ear to listen to, uh, I think that is a great way to get people to talk about money is by just having that space of like-minded people working towards the same things who can help each other, help each other encourage each other. Just like this space is communities. It's all about community. So quick wrap up my takeaways. Uh, compliant does not mean boring. You can be 100% compliant and be the most engaging, wonderful company in the whole world. Uh, look to your customers. They're much more creative than you. Uh, speak to customers in their own language. Remember there are no boring topics. There's only boring content. So don't be boring. Be reactive. Look at what's going on. You know, slacks down. Do something with that. That's my advice to you now. Go and do that. Uh, and then look outside your industry of inspo. Like, I'm not looking at other banks. I'm looking at, like, yeah, the innocents and others of the world. So, yeah, that is me. Thank you very much. Cheers. What a boy. Thank you very, very much, mate. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I rattled through that. I'm sorry. No, you, you, you did perfect really really perfect i mean the mad thing is uh that we have 70 open questions right now <laughs> which, which uh, yeah which okay. i think is a, a very pleasant uh um endorsement of everything you you've presented there today so thank okay. you very much let's do one per seven seconds even if i get <laughs> let's, let's 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 go for it we're going quick fire so we're going to go all over the place here so uh so so yeah enjoy that uh so the first question uh comes from uh Kaysom, who says uh any top tips for approaching social content for serious b2b niche markets uh fun and colorful doesn't often match our brand guidelines and what is perceived as the norm in the sub in the in the industry so it's it's yeah yeah super hard and like, i've never actually worked in b2b apart from our business accounts so i can only speak to them and i know it is hard like if you're like some big like i don't know i don't know how like shipping firms do it i'd love to like sit down with the social media manager for you know some logistics company and find out mm. i think it's just like you can still be engagement first like I don't, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to give too many tips without you know, really being an expert in that space. Yeah. Uh, but like, there's always ways you can do more. There's always ways you can change the tone, change the language. If those brand guidelines are too restrictive, like think those through, like, do they need to be this way? Is like, does it need to be our tone? I think often one thing I had to learn going to Monzo was like unlearning business speak. We, we have this very strange way of writing when we work in businesses in this country where we're always like, Dear sir, you know, I, I wish to ensure your application can be like, why don't we just, why don't we talk like humans? Yeah. So like my, my number one tip, if nothing else, be more human. Like you're not actually a shipping container. Like even if your company makes shipping containers, you're still a human. So I know that can be flippant advice because I don't work in that space, but humanity is, is, is what we all have in common. No, I, I think it's important. Um, there's a 
comment here from Madeline who says uh, shipping firms on TikTok could take inspiration from Ryanair to, to use one of your points about seeking outside the industry. Yes. Instead of a face on the plane, you could put a face on shipping containers. There you uh, go. That's a content strategy. Go. Yeah, I think it's, it's so true. And like, I think there is a point here as well, which is like um, one of the chat comments, and, and it would be a, a fair criticism of asking you particularly to do this talk, which is that Monzo is a interesting company in a boring industry but the thing that i would sort of switch it is that you made that choice as in you and monzo made that choice to be that company and therefore you are that position for that uh for the reasons of your actions and so even though you're an interesting company now at one point there had to be a decision to be to become that interesting company if that makes sense uh, yeah i mean you're constantly making choices in marketing right and those choices kind of find what your brand ends up being um in the minds of your customers so like when we decide we want to do an out of home campaign, like what do we do? Do we put up boring posters or do we like paint a bus and give it a Twitter account? Like <laughs> you can make, you can make choices. You can make funny adverts. You don't have to make boring adverts. You can make, you can be on TikTok. You can, you know, you always have choices. Absolutely. Spot on. Cool. Right. Next question. Uh, I'm, I'm not moving on because I'm not interested. I'm moving on because there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, so we go to Abigail who asks, uh, the product that I'm marketing isn't easy to communicate in a quick way, uh, which I know with social media, we, we sort of have to, uh, and, and I'll read it verbatim, uh, which we know social media must grab attention quickly. How do you suggest approaching social media posts that grab attention, but still accurately explain a system that is quite complicated to understand? Interesting. Well, I'd be super interested to hear what system that system is. Mm -hmm. There's almost like a, a point at which something becomes so complicated. It's almost interesting for that reason. Like okay. I love watching like YouTube videos about like uh, roller coasters and like the, the engineering behind that. And I, I think there's almost like a niche where like, Yes, your thing is complicated, but like that is the thing. Work with like freaking um, what's his name, Tom Scott on YouTube. Like partner with him. Like find creators who specialize in like explaining complicated things. Like that is a whole world of content out there. Is is making uh, complex systems digestible. Like go and find people who um are, are succeeding at that and either copy what they do or work with them directly. And how do you so? As a follow-up to that so i mean you give the example of youtube there um mm -hmm. like how did you make the decision to sort of start doubling down on on TikTok, for example so you know i'm asking there's a vested interest here but yeah you know do you do you go down the line of TikTok because it seems like a good opportunity or do you double down on something such as youtube which is better for longer form and therefore suits your content yeah i mean this is such an interesting question because it's that like prioritization question like mm -hmm. i have i've done the exercise before where we draw up a little map and go what are the uh, opportunities and what what impact we think they could have and so what you want to go after is those things that are high impact low effort right mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not saying tiktok is low effort but like we were like well you know what is our metric impressions or views where do we think we can get this from do we think we've exhausted our current channels maybe so what, what's a new channel we could be on it's like well tiktok seems to be the one we're not on and we know from like anecdata that everyone's saying it's the one you can get really easy views on. And, you know, we've seen brands get like millions and millions of views. We're not on there. So all signs pointed to like, this is like a channel you should like try and test and learn. So like very quickly, I was like filming like horrible videos on like just my floor of my flat of like Monzo cards moving around and like, don't scroll back and look at old content. Old content's bad. But like, even then, like you do something, you get, you get a hit. You get, oh my God, they got like 50,000 views. 
Mm. And I think that's probably just the TikTok algorithm juicing our early content because that's how it works. But uh, it's, you know, we, we, we got like the right signs quick enough that we decided to double down and be like, cool, uh, you know, let's even like start thinking about hiring full-time support for this as well. Nice. Actually, perfectly segued into the next question, uh, which is about your team. Um, yep. We were speaking before we went live about how you'd been by yourself for an awful long time. So the next question that comes from Kasem as well, actually, who says, I wonder how many people are involved in running Monzo, Monzo socials. I'm in a one-person marketing team trying to balance aspirational social link with realistic uh, resources. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to stop sharing. Am I sharing still? Stop uh, sharing. There we go. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, so for a while, um, the team was very small. It was just me and um, our head of content. Uh, we sort of, things changed and went, changed, came and came and went as they did. Um, but for a while, yeah, we were essentially like, we couldn't re rely heavily on like support from design or anything like that. So yeah, we're like, we were doing stuff in like Canva and all this kind of stuff. And I think that is totally fine. You can be a one person or two person team be, be be very scrappy and still succeed i think that's really important is that people shouldn't feel disheartened or you know like one person social teams can take on global multi-person teams in many cases they can do better because they are smaller and more agile you don't have those, those hoops to jump through nice. uh like if you look at the brand surreal on linkedin they are like a very small marketing team i mean they have some genius minds in there but like they're gonna smash linkedin for like ever because they're really good at content that's awesome. That's really wicked. And actually, it, I don't know whether you're doing this on purpose, but you are segueing from one question to the other in, in such a flawless fashion here. <laughs> so the next one, comes from, <laughs> this one comes from Abigail. He says, uh, how do you keep the momentum up and balance planned on uh, between planned and reactive content to sort of keep yourself accountable and sort of spot these opportunities as they come up? Uh, yeah, my very quick answer to this is like, we have a three-pronged approach to content planning. First one is like long-term. So we should have an idea on the roadmap of like what campaigns are coming up. Say, hey, there is a Neon Cars campaign coming in two months. Start thinking about it. And we have a process for like briefing that in, working it through, making the content. Then we have like monthly content planning cycles. So tomorrow, for instance, we're having our August planning session where we'll look at the calendar and be like, cool, it's August, what's happening? This is happening, travel, strikes, cost of living, all this kind of stuff, and try and piece together like a content plan for that. And then like on a day-to-day -day basis, we have those like reactive short-term loops. So we look at like every morning we check in, what's trending, but even like throughout the day, if like we see a bit of content, we see, oh my God, have you seen those Greg's shoes or whatever? Uh, have you seen the Greg's shoes? They're amazing. Um, <laughs> like, can we do something with that? So like always leaving like that little bit of capacity for reactive, mm -hmm. but like having like strong processes in place for the long-term and both the medium-term as well. Nice. I love that. And do you, do you limit yourself on like, this sounds like a, such a basic question, but um, do you limit yourself on on the amount of posts that you do? Um, so you, when you said leaving gaps and resources for uh, posting, do you have like, we're not going to post any more than five times a day on Twitter or something like that? It's such uh, I wish we were that organized. <laughs> no, it's always like, it's always kind of like a creative chaos, right? It's always yeah. a bit of like, can we do this? Should we do this? And like, what's the payoff? Like, are we drop? What, what do we have to drop to do this? Or... Uh, and I think it's like just like having clear boundaries. Like if I, if I, if I have like an idea, like oh, we should mock up like some Greg's shoes, and then like our designer says, no, I'm working on this really important campaign. I have to take that no. Like, <laughs> and like, I think I think that's the way, way to do it. Like, we're not so big that we have like a formal 
ticketing system where you know like priority it's, it's it's always a conversation right and i think that's a quite you know it's a good way to work when you're, you're still small is just thinking in terms of trade-offs but also remembering that like short-term reactive can do 10 times better than like planned campaign stuff i, I like that you added in the the middle dimension there though that there's sort of like a medium-term content because you can almost be planned reactive planned reactive is oof, if you can get that right then that's that's the holy grail um yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that no that's so cool right um mate the hour's flown by um it's been a insanely uh, popular session today so thank you very very much for for taking the time there are 73 questions open so i will do my best to capture those right yep. now um and and, and I'll, I'll send them through uh, but then we may also look to do some of the marketing meetup with a blog post answering those or or something like that. It would be a shame to to waste. Uh, of course, just send them through. Um, what a boy. That would be great. Cool. Um, so thank you all so, so much. This is the last uh, episode, session, lesson, webinar of season seven. So um, honestly, just thank you all so, so much. Um, the plan is that we'll be back on September the 13th. Uh, for our next season um, so we've got we've got a summer holiday uh, to get through so honestly just I really really hope you all enjoy it uh, you have smiles on your faces and, and just make the most of the time so you know thank you sincerely uh, to everyone in this community for all the speakers and also the sponsors who have made this happen um, like it's been great season eight is coming it's pretty much scheduled already. I can't wait to announce it to you. Uh, I'm hopefully moving house uh, halfway through the season, so there might be a bit of temporary stuff. So uh, it's all going on. Anyway, uh, thank you all. Uh, enjoy your breaks. Um, and uh, here's to season eight and uh, just a really great summer. Take care, everyone, and uh, see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.